0: Hey, everybody, and welcome to the Unranked Podcast. This is episode 137. It's the IndieCade special. I am Christian Humes, and we're ready to talk about a lot of indie games. We have two of my favorite hosts to talk with today. We have Tom Caswell. Hello, hello, hello. And returning guest, Emily Jacobson. Emily. Howdy. (laughs) Emily, I'm so excited to have you on. I feel like we previewed this episode last month when we had you on
1: know yeah, we kind of we mentioned that it might happen.
0: Yeah, <laughs> we're well, fulfilling campaign promises, Christian. It was it ca- it came together on that episode cuz Tom, that was when you revealed, "Oh, well, I'll be in LA that weekend." Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It worked out nicely. And so, for that reason, we all went to Indiecade, and uh now we're here to talk about it. So, we're going to kind of just jump right into that. I actually because I didn't want to forget like what all the games cuz we saw a lot of games and recording this Uh, A little late because I wanted to get the chance to have all of us on. Um, I made sure to get like every game that we saw, like their business cards. We should definitely give a uh,
2: (laughs) shout out to Pokemon of the week before we get stuck in.
0: Yeah, I did. So I did do a, uh, and that's available now. Um, There is a small little 30 minute episode with Alex and Dan where we did the listener mail and the Pokemon preview episode. Uh, just because I wasn't sure what our timeline was going to be for stuff, so I wanted to make sure that we had that knocked out. Uh, so wait, but, what number
2: episode is this? Uh, is that this? was
0: like a, that was like the the preview. That was the okay. preview. It's like part one. This is part two, I guess. <laughs> wow, our interesting. First, our first ever two parter episode. Uh, do you know what Pokemon this would be?
2: Vaporeon or Jolteon. We just did all the EVs. We're out. Did we really? Yeah. Oh shit. Uh, then. Ditto. No, we've done Ditto too. <laughs> I have zero clue. So Pokemon 137 is Omanyte. Oh, okay. Interesting. Omanyte. Yeah. Which actually right, well, now. I guess I re- people will be able to hear about that in the part one of
0: <laughs> No, no. I actually now now that we're discussing this, I remember that I told them we would discuss the Pokemon, so I only told them what it was. So I'm glad gotcha. that you brought it up.
1: <laughs> okay, gotcha. Oh, it's Lord Helix.
0: Yes, it's Lord Helix. From, oh, yeah, oh my um, Twitch Plays Pokemon. Pokemon was the greatest thing ever.
1: So that's actually how I discovered Twitch. I had no idea what Twitch was, but I heard this crazy thing happening where all these people on the internet were playing Pokemon together, and Lord Helix this, and Lord Helix that, and I checked it out, and it was the most insane thing ever. Yeah,
0: yeah. Twitch Plays Pokemon mm-hmm. was wild. That was probably the most engaged with Twitch I was ever at at that point. I knew what it was, but I had... Uh,
2: Never really dipped in. They still so I'm doing that right there with you. Because I know that after Red Blue, they like did Gold Silver, and I'm just curious if they kept up with the games. Um, they did other Twitch Plays
0: things since right. then. They even did. There was like a fish playing Pokemon at one point. There was like a camera hooked up to it. Whichever way the fish went, it moved the character. <laughs> oh it was weird.
2: <laughs> I mean, I can't believe they even beat the first one. That, yeah. That's just I insane know. to me. It that seems blows like my point. mind. But, but it, I guess it is the whole monkey typewriter situation. <laughs> <laughs> like it'll get done eventually. <laughs> and they did keep
0: implementing more rules because there was that one point on Twitch Plays Pokemon where they were in that path right after you get cut and you have to be able to walk up and around this shrub, but yeah. people would press down and then they would have to jump down the ledge and then they'd have to go all the way back to come back up around it again. Oh, God. And so inevitably every time they would make it there someone would screw them over it took them a very long time to get past that <laughs> oh man that's so I... <laughs>
1: horrible well, they
3: <laughs> did
0: it they accomplished it so congrats to them yeah oh man i had almost forgotten all about that that's a good call for lord helix um probably it's number 1 claim to fame now
1: Tr- honestly yeah. <laughs> that is uh,
0: the biggest fun fact yeah oh man i'm glad that you remembered that i was just going to go with um the only memorable Thing about ammonite for me was the Aerodactyl episode when you meet the fossils in the anime because that's when Charizard appears as well. I thought that was very cool.
2: I mean, but, I think I think that like both um, Kabuto and Ammonite are interesting because of just how they're incorporated in the game. Um, yeah, so that they're memorable, I guess. But um, I was always more of a Kabuto guy. I never picked oh, the yeah, 100%. Uh, the Helix fossil. Cabu-chops, that's one hundred percent.
0: Yeah. Yep. That's where I was at. Yep. Uh, although fossil Pokemon are one of my favorite mainstays from the whole series. And it's one of my biggest disappointments of the seventh generation. It was the first game that didn't have their own fossils. Interesting. So oh, no way. Was... I
1: did not know that. That, didn't, yeah, that did not click with me.
0: It was such a bummer for me because there are two things, two of the things that I look forward to, obviously after the starters, like everyone else, you know, it's like the starters are the, the real package that you're waiting for with those games. But uh, the fossils, and I always am my fingers for another Eevee. So when we didn't get either in the last game, I was very bummed about that. But that was
2: okay. Sun and Moon was still great. I loved it. Sun and Moon very cool. Well, I, I have a feeling that there will be more Pokemon games <laughs> coming I out. Sh- <laughs> oh, I certainly yeah. hope so. Yeah. <laughs>
0: um, okay. Well, let's jump in to indicate Before, I guess, we go to any games uh, directly, did you both have fun? Because I had a great time.
2: I I had a I had a surprisingly really good time. I thought it was going to be uh, when we went there, and especially when we first got there, I was concerned oh my God. that it was going to be a very underwhelming experience because for some reason all of the best game, like the more the deeper into the belly of the beast of, because it was at what, what university was that? Santa SMc Monica. Santa Monica. So at SMc was where they were hosting it, and it was really funny because people were in class. Whilst it was going on. That's yeah, true. on Friday. Oh, well, on times Friday
0: I school. Yeah. yeah, a couple couple <laughs> of times I
2: walked into a classroom and I was like, Oh, this is just someone's class. No one's showing <laughs> off any games in here. But uh yeah, and then but as we kind of made our way through more further and further and deeper and deeper into the campus and these buildings, uh were where the better games were. And uh there were some really cool experiences and I'm I'm really glad that I went. I I told Christian, I was like, this is probably one of the most, like, I guess, I guess since going to like E3 and PAX, you kind of know what you're getting. And with IndieCade, I really didn't know what I was going to get. And especially after kind of initially being disappointed and then finding all these really cool, not just video games, but board games and yeah. live action experiences that we took part in. I was like, this is a dope setup here. Every game was so different. At IndieCade. Yeah. Yeah. That was the, the best was, thing.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Um, get. Emily, we didn't know about the upstairs when we got there.
1: Oh, no. (laughs) And they didn't
0: direct anyone about it. So we walked into the first building. There were like a couple games. Then we walked into the next one. There was mostly that game tools demo and a couple of games. And we're like, this is not looking good. And then
2: also a lot of like, here's a bunch of students who, and this is their first video game. I was like, the production for this. You know, because, you know, we had press passes and they had printed lanyards and T-shirts. It just, I was like, this seems so ragtag compared to the presentation that they're putting on. Right, yeah, um, yeah. yeah. So
0: then once we found the actual upstairs <laughs> locations where <laughs> 90% of the games were like, oh,
2: okay.
1: Yeah, yeah. <laughs> no, yeah, were y'all there last year or Tom, was this your first IndieCade?
2: I've never been to IndieCade before. The same, this is my the first. M- the most I'd ever experienced was actually at E3 because they have uh, an area.
1: No, yeah. uh, Yeah. So last year they had the event at the Japanese Cultural Museum in Little Tokyo. But the museum was still open. And so I think one of the most I think one of the most awkward experiences was you went upstairs to like the student developed games and here were all these tables displaying all these student developed games and on the other side of the room was basically like here's a here's the model of a train car uh and a home where Japanese internment citizens like lived during oh Japanese internment camps. Jesus. And I was just like, Oh, I do not feel I don't like these games being up here in this museum. Uh-huh.
3: Yeah. So I was really glad really it was weird. at the
1: I was really glad it was at a college this year.
0: <laughs> wow, that's such a strange venue for them to have.
1: It was I it was I mean there were parts of the museum that had kind of big they're clearly like meeting rooms. It isn't it's like not just a museum, it's also a cent, like a cultural center. So there's like yeah. a bunch of meeting rooms, there's library rooms um, where you could display games, but the fact that they went into into the museum uh, on the second floor to su- do more to have more setups up there was a little surprising
0: this is uh i didn't share this this story ever on the unranked podcast but like a month ago i was going to record the i high show and um there was just a lot happening in my apartment at the time and we actually have these two little like business office centers here at my apartment complex so it's going to go record out of one of those and connected to that they actually have a big business room conference that you can rent out like if you work from home or whatever and you need to have like a big meeting or you want like a lot of people someone that lives here rented it out and was doing like an mlm event So I go to start recording and suddenly there's like music and people are clapping and you hear someone like doing a sales pitch, like telling them like how they sell to their friends. So I just had to wrap up. I had to stop my recording in the middle of my recording because I'm being interrupted by this MLM that someone rented out in our apartment complex to like (laughs) get everyone to sell shit to their friends and family, which was the most annoying thing. It's such a strange place. Um, All right. Let's jump into the games. Uh, I don't have any particular order about anything. So if you wanna, we can just kind of round robin. Um, Tom, I'll let you take it first, and then Emily, and then will come to me. Like if you just want to think of a game off the top of your head, I have like lists of everything. So if we forget anything, I'll stay on top of it. But
2: uh, honestly, my some of my favorite experiences were actually like tabletop games that we played. Uh, there was a really cool AR game which was yeah kind of navigating through a maze with lasers, and it used your phone. So they had this space set up where you could had space to maneuver and you were looking down at an iPad that displayed um, this, this kind of maze where you had to make it through corridors and duck under lasers. That was, that was cool. Yeah. But yeah, uh, the, the the lo-fi experiences that we had were really cool. Um, There was,
0: so what I was saying was like, let's, mm -hmm. let's each, let's do one game at a time. Okay. (laughs) So like pick a game. Yeah.
2: Okay. My, my favorite game was, was blindfold. That was cool. Basically, premise is you have a piece of paper that you share amongst the group. Um, You choose from a hand of cards um, and you choose a word, a four-letter word. Everyone has their own unique four-letter word. And the card will tell you a shape that you have to draw around the word and then also an action you have to do to the piece of paper. The idea being that you want to have as many of your words that you've written to show up and somehow cover you can either fold the piece of paper to cover another word by someone else or tear off a piece of paper or uh, flip the entire paper so that you're working on the uh, underside Uh, but the trick is that you have to do once you've picked your card and you're ready to write it out you have to do everything blindfolded so you don't know if you've drawn the shape correctly you don't know if you've folded the piece of paper over your own word or another you know you don't have that accuracy. And that was a, a really fun game, and I definitely think that out of everything, that was something I was like, I want to buy a copy of this to play with friends. Ooh, yeah. So, blindfold. we
0: uh, Emily and I played that as well. Um, when Emily and I played, she won. And correct me if I'm wrong. We had a
2: three way tie. You, me, and that other guy. That's crazy. Oh, you? Yes, yes. When we played, right? We game, had a three way tie. We actually tied. Yeah. Yes. Yeah.
1: I didn't yeah. think I was going to win. I thought I was definitely going to lose because the guy we were playing with, uh, Random Player 3, uh, he was pretty smart and he immediately out of the mm-hmm. gate, like tore it, tore the paper, tore our names out or our words out in the middle of the paper and I was yeah. like, oh man, he is here to win this game.
0: Yeah, he was ruthless. He made who won? Uh, who just like did a strip through winning the middle. Or? Uh, Emily, Emily ended up winning the game. Oh, like wow. in the
1: final round, I made. Yeah. I think I did a fold, and I labeled one word, or I did a one. one I circled and written my, wrote my word correctly, and somehow that made me win the game.
2: Yeah. Well, you get the, the, <laughs> the other interesting thing is is if you have uh multiple words in the same shape, you get like multipliers. Right. So the game it's great because it can kind of turn on a dime very quickly. Yes. Uh, and you can rack up a lot of points very quickly, almost accidentally, especially if another player fucks up their turn.
3: Mm-hmm. We
0: only played three rounds, but part of me almost wishes we did a fourth because I feel like it would get really crazy in the oh, final. Yeah. Like yeah. if you went one more,
2: people would be <laughs> well, forced to a... try to write tiny. <laughs> yeah. As you know, some of the pieces of paper are like <laughs> almost like a crumpled up ball with like <laughs> huge chunks missing. So there is a limit to how many rounds you can play. Before. It just becomes you should just get like a huge piece of construction paper. Yeah, like a floor <laughs> size. That would be cool. Yeah. And I really
0: it's like yeah. That one.
1: And it's they had like they had all the other games, quote unquote, posted on the wall behind them. Yeah. And it's a very fun game, but it's for like your Showing off what your game is. It's not a very pretty game because you just <laughs> see <laughs> all of these pieces of paper that are like ripped and torn and folded and crumpled and have all these weird words written all over them.
2: I think that was part of the charm for me, for sure.
0: When uh, when Tom and I got to play that game, we played with, um, it wasn't the developer... It was someone. It was like her, uh, their friend or something. Yeah, someone yeah. someone helping the developer. She might have worked on the game as well. I'm, I'm uncertain, but she said she wasn't the dev. But when Emily and I played, we played with the actual developer of the game, and he, Tom, was not as easy on the rules. He was very like, okay, we're going to follow the rules pretty strict, and he didn't even play the game. He sat out. Whereas like sure. when Tom and I played, uh, the girl that played with us, <laughs> Emily, was like, okay, well, they didn't draw it perfectly, but like if you're all good with it, we'll just give them the point. We're like, okay, <laughs> oh, yeah, sure. we'll be like nice about this. It's a very friendly game.
2: <laughs> that's funny.
0: <laughs> very stark difference between what Emily and I played. I'm sure, um, I'm sure. So yeah, Blindfold, that's a good game. That's actually maybe one of my favorites too. Although I said that like after I played everything, I feel like mm-hmm. I <laughs> did. Uh, all right, Emily, what would you like to talk about next?
1: Ooh, this is tricky. Um I'm probably gonna need to talk about guildlings. That oh, hell to yeah. me was a game that I I was so surprised. Like this whole this whole year indicated, arguably I think this was the the best Indiecade year I've ever seen. Uh, having just seen it, having been to it last year, and then just seeing kind of their best at E3 for the past three years, to me this uh, this year really stuck out. And Guildlings is an incredible mobile like RPG game that has this really fun kind of Adventure Time Steven Universe art style uh a little bit kind of it has uh, if you're a fan of the adventure zone it has kind of like an adventure zone uh undertale feel to it too and the dialogue is so funny uh it's like a little text-based game and you're running around talking to other players collecting things it feels huge for like a indie mobile game it feels like a triple a it felt like a triple a game i was so surprised that it was even there and that no one had picked it up really uh, but it was so much fun exploring, it and I cannot wait to play it when it comes out, I believe, next year.
0: Yeah, the story in that game is really cool, too, because um, if I'm remembering correctly, the the Guildlings, they were basically the main character is like a maker, right? And so they crafted all these things through their life, and they've almost come to life. Like the objects that the person that you interact with are like alive, almost like uh, monsters,
1: I think so. Yeah, I I did much more of like an art because there was a few different demos you could play with. um, And I did the demo where I was running around trying to find someone and I was just talking to a lot of people collecting things. So I didn't do any of the combat, which I know there's combat. The the whole dialogue quest uh, tutorial I had was just so immersive in general because I really wanted to get a feel of, to me, I feel like writing can make or break a game. And I really wanted to get a feel of the writing. And uh, it's all kind of like text-based, it feels like. And immediately the dialogue that popped up was something that me and like my best friends would text each other, where it was just like extended vowels and just saying really goofy, like inside joke things. And I was immediately hooked.
0: Yeah, that's interesting that you say that. I didn't pay attention to the fact that yours was different. I knew yours was earlier in the demo that I played, but I picked up the game that someone else had just put down. So I was way later in the level, he told me, and I just kind of like fumbled my way through it. So I did some of the combat, and it was very cool, like card-based combat, where it tells you um, you're going to get to make basically like two or three moves in this battle. So I know I have to sort of set up my cards... And choose what order to play them in so that my attacks or whatever hit. But you're also always not like trying to defeat them because there were attacks that like allow you to connect positively with the guildling or negatively. So when I was trying to bypass one of the guildlings, I'd like defeat it in battle. But then other guildlings, when I was talking to them, it was like I was trying to make a positive connection with them so I could get out of them what I needed. So it was an interesting tactic that they had you play
1: that's super cool oh man now i just really want to pick up this game again (laughs) like i said this game was so huge and it was so fleshed out and just they had like a little monitor where they were showing concept art and and a bunch of sketches from the artists of the game and i turned to one of the developers and i said are you going to sell the art book because i don't even know like the whole the whole premise of your game in detail but I want the art book so badly because it was just gorgeous and so creative and just, yeah, it's like you you meet up with these, you meet up with these friends. And he said, it's very much like how the wizard of Oz was a fantasy reflection of its time period. This is very much a fantasy reflection of modern day, uh, which I totally love. And I'm so excited. She's like I said, to get my hands on it. I just want to play it right now. That was so tricky to indicate because some of these games aren't available yet. And I was just like, I want to play it right now. <laughs>
0: That uh, that game's getting me really pumped for its release. I think I'm gonna try and play it on an iPad because he had it on a huge iPad Pro, Tom, like the OG iPad Pro, mm-hmm. the like 13 mm-hmm. inch one. It was ridiculous mm-hmm. looking. <laughs> yeah, it was a weird some... way to demo that game.
2: Oh yeah. Okay. Well,
0: just like in this small space, you're trying to hold up this gigantic oh, magazine sized tablet. I got you. Um, got you. it was a little unwieldy, but also fun. Uh, so, Tom, this next game, this is something we didn't play, but we got a brief demo of it, Emily and I, from the developer, and uh, this game is called Flight Simulator.
1: Oh, my goodness. <laughs>
0: okay. And Flight Simulator <laughs> is a game where it's, it's probably the most- I played in
2: 1999 on well, my PC. <laughs> no, no. This is the most
0: realistic flight simulator you've ever taken part of because you don't fly the plane. You're just a passenger on the plane. <laughs> And you're in economy class. You're you're in just like you're in coach. You got you got a window seat. Um, and uh, it appears oh, as though you got the, the, the aisle, aisle to yourself, which is nice. Like it looks like the other passengers didn't show up, so that's kind of nice. Uh, it it <laughs> yeah. takes place in real time, so it's like a six-hour flight. Where I think it was I think it was cross coastal. I think it was sort of like okay. a New York to L.A. kind sure, of flight. Because sure. yeah, um, it's like
1: legitimately six hours.
0: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> and he what he told us what did he say? He used Google Maps. I think he used Google Earth to render oh, yeah. the actual flight path.
1: He he individually rendered each like moment underneath the plane via from like Google Maps. Which I was just in there being like, Wow, that's for a six hour realistic flight simulator and he put so much wow. care to it. I love it. I immediately was it's, like as soon as he was like, I did all this work for it, I was like, Heck yeah, <laughs> sign me up. But-
2: is that, like, a, a, a narrative or a story?
0: So you're like, in the plane, and you're a passenger, uh-huh. Uh-huh. and uh, it's it's basically like being on a real plane. You can use the actual in-flight TV to watch movies or whatever kind of TV shows
2: they have but available. But, like, a murder doesn't happen on the plane. Like, Not you from are literally what we're just, aware. Oh, my God. <laughs> uh, you could After I- someone that just, like, flew that flight, <laughs> I would never in my fucking life. Because here's the thing. I would... Turn the game on, and then just do everything in my power to sleep. Yeah.
1: <laughs> uh, yeah, I was, was wondering. Crazy. We were talking about this afterwards. I was wondering, like, what is the achievement you get at the end of the game? Do you get like some, yeah, some kind of like banner, or, like I'm code, sure there's or, like, like hidden Steam shit achievement, that's, like, or yeah,
0: that's maybe like, it could be good you, for you people need to do this. that like have uh, fear of flying, that have like real flight anxiety. They could use it as like a therapy.
1: But I almost feel like it would hurt them because you can't get up and leave; like you have to stay <laughs> yeah. in the seat. Well,
0: but they're at least they know they're at home. <laughs> like
1: true, that's can, true. They can
0: try it out. They have the comfort of being at home to maybe get used to it. But it was wild, like seeing him open and close the window. You could pull out the like emergency manual. You could order drinks from like the waitress. Turn the could light you on like, and off. I check the plane. Like what is? I the don't level think you of... could get up. I believe you're stationary. So you can't even pee. I'm not, I didn't ask that question. I didn't ask that question, but and it then, did seem is, like can you were so in a seat. Um, oh, my guess would be no. And then it, you could also
2: choose your race and like have people th- oh my God. throw racial slurs at you while you're on the plane. It, they can have a United
0: version where you get thrown he, off the plane. Oh, you get
2: dragged off the plane. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Flight Simulator is very cool. Even though we didn't play it witnessing
2: the game itself i love the fact that like you didn't even play the game you just watched someone demo yeah. well we it. talked to the dev and he told us about it and i felt realistically
0: <sighs> I also felt like unless i spent at least 20 minutes sitting in that game i wouldn't yeah. really know what that experience is like right right that's other than actually flying it's very good <laughs> all right tom pick uh the next game you want to talk about
2: I want to talk about the other tabletop game we play, which I think was the last thing, Stress Express. Yes. Stress Express is a, a board game. Essentially, you are, you know, you're playing with other people and you have cards and you're kind of rotating out. So the person, I think, to your left is your manager and you're yep. there the employee and you have to work together to complete as many of the tasks as possible. And uh, once you complete tasks, you can do, like, fun time, which is... I mean, these things are just really simple from everything from, like, drawing a a bunny on a piece of paper to, like, commending yourself on doing a good day's work. (laughs) Or you have to do something to your coworker. And then the idea is you want to collect as many fun time, do as much fun time stuff as possible. Uh, But the game gets harder as it goes on because, A... As you collect fun time cards, those translate into uh, cards that you can either A, use on yourself to boost how much time you have to complete a task, because every person gets 30 seconds to complete the allotted tasks, or you can use it to make it harder for the other person, like they have to be hopping on one leg, which was something I had, to, or running in place. And the game just gets completely crazy, because by the end of it, you have like 11 tasks to do in 30 seconds, and then someone will be like... Yeah, like I remember, Christian was like, "Okay, I'm gonna play uh, this card that gives me an extra five seconds to complete everything," and then I came in with like a one-two punch that like reduced your time by like eleven seconds. So you, yeah, like, I can't remember the order because it, it was it was getting crazy at the end. But uh, yeah, it was just it was that was that was really fun. I think I made I really you. That. You had to like run in place. I had to run in place. Yeah. You
0: had to stand (laughs) stand on one leg. Yeah. Yeah, I just stand on one leg. We have a good video clip of this. It's a very fun game.
2: Yeah. It's a very fun game. the the tasks are are just super ridiculous. Like, (laughs) This is actually,
0: this is similar to Blindfold. This is a game that I would very much want to own. Oh, yeah. Because I love these kinds of games, which have you getting up and doing stuff. Um I always loved... Do uh, you ever play Cranium, either of you two?
1: Yes. Yes.
0: Have you ever played Hoopla? Hoopla. Play.
1: That was like an expansion of it, or like a was it like it the was, smaller version? It was like
0: a side... Yeah, it was a smaller version. It got rid of the trivia, so it was just like either drawing or acting things out, Um and it was a much better version because there was no board and everyone plays together to beat a timer. It very much reminds me of that, because it's very hectic and everyone's yeah. like taking turns doing it things. Was, it's one of my favorite and games. And it was really
2: interesting because um like playing the game and like like I said, like the person to your left, if it's your turn, the person to your left is your manager. And it that that added like so much to the game in terms of strategizing on when to play certain cards and when to perform certain tasks. Cause, yeah, because if you screw them, right? Then you're if screwed. you screw someone, you might get screwed in that s- screwing, right? Oh my <laughs> goodness! It's very, yeah. it's very tricky. Um, and
0: this is another example of like similar to when Emily and I got to play with the developer of blindfold. It was really cool because he was very like we're playing by the rules, and it made the game a lot more competitive than when Tom and I played, which I thoroughly enjoyed. This we played with the developer, and she was so much fun. She was so into the yeah. game, yeah. it's probably the best thing about IndieCade, right, is being able to play all these games with the people who made it because they're so excited about playing the game. Yeah,
2: that that definitely was uh, an overall thing I took away from the experience was the fact that, like, this is someone's baby, and it's, like, one or two people's baby. It's not, you know, when you're at E3 and you're talking with developers, sometimes you're talking with, like, the person that's, like, the fucking Twitter manager, you know. They're the one that, you know, and so or um, at the booth it's not even someone who works for the company they were just hired for the event At EP. yeah they were just yep. yeah exactly they were just hired to to
0: help out um, it's like I started asking questions they're like oh I don't really know anything about this but I it's your yeah. turn <laughs> I know how to <laughs> restart much. the demo and how to tell people when their time is up
2: yeah pretty much yeah so that was that was a, a great overall piece a take or takeaway I had from the indicate
0: all right Let's go to the next game. Emily, what would you like to talk about next?
1: All right. I am going to have to talk about Pixel Ripped 1989. Uh this Hell is actually yeah. a game that is available that you can pick up, I believe. Is it I think it's across all the VR platforms. I think it's for the Vive. I think it's for, I definitely know it's in the PlayStation store for the PSVR. Yes, it is. And it is for the Oculus as well, I think. Um, but this is such a fun, if you love like retro gaming, if you love VR, uh, this is so cool. It is basically, it meshes kind of like 1980s handheld side scroller. And then, oh man, I don't even, I don't want to give it away, but I just want to talk about it because just the delight and surprise of basically playing I'll kind of give it away right now basically you get yeah. to play a side scrolling uh kind of like early 1980s platformer in a VR setting and it is the coolest thing ever it made me want all of the original Marios and all of the kind of the classic side scrollers to be remastered in VR just because the play is so engaging and so much fun
0: yeah the thing that was really cool about it and I mean, I also, we should we should talk about the developer because she oh, yeah. has the most amazing story. But the thing that was really cool in the game was when you play those 2D games, Tom, you play them on like a virtual Game Boy. Mm-hmm. And my favorite, I don't know, Emily, what your favorite part was, but I think my favorite part of the game was when I was the classroom setting. You're in a classroom and I have to try to beat the level on the Game Boy, but I also have to hide it from the teacher. So I have to like, time looking down and playing the game but not also dying in the game and then looking up around the classroom to make sure it's safe or try to make a distraction so the teacher's not looking so that I can get back it to playing the game. It was very
1: stressful in like a good video game stressful kind of way.
0: Yeah, it was super cool. Um, but the de- the developer, she has this amazing story. She's from Brazil and I she has it's it sounded like it's at le- around 50-50 female like lead um, and she's been developing this game for the last four years, and she's got this mm-hmm. very strong like feminist story about the game and about how like it was she she made a point about a lot of people found it strange because there's so many you know men who play these games when they look down and the main character was a girl and I'll say it was interesting because I had not played a VR game when I looked down I was like, oh, I have like a skirt like this was a different experience, <laughs> yeah,
1: you're like a schoolgirl like a skirt little knee socks, and like you're like an eight year old sitting in cl- or a ten year old sitting in class,
0: yeah. It was very cool. And she? Do you remember what she said she did before? I can't remember offhand. But she was. Looking. She was like
1: in. I thought she was in, in like sales or marketing, or was she a lawyer? I think she was a lawyer.
2: Yeah, and she,
1: she, she, she basically, yeah, she had a dream one night about this game, and then she went to like, what no was it?
2: Way. That's crazy.
1: It, she had a dream about this game, and then I think she went to like some kind of pep talk or like kind of motivational yeah. speaking place where. I forget. Oh, man, I wish I could have. It written was almost down like a said. like a
0: life planner, like a business planner, because I think she said they were looking at like finances and money and th- talking about like, well, here's where you'll be like in X years. And she was like, well, I don't want to be doing this in 15 years. And they were like, well, what would you want to do? She has a whole she has a She's TED like, talk. Yeah.
1: yeah, she has a TED oh, really? talk. Yeah, and the whole cool. thing was like, I think she was asked at that, that that like kind of that life planning, but also like positive life yes, planning, yes. self-help thing. She was basically asked, like, if you could be, if money wasn't a problem, if you could be doing anything, what would you do? And she was like, I would drop everything at the side of a hat and design video games. Yep. And kind of the end of that, of that kind of pep talk, self-help thing was basically go out and do it because you can because you can like it these goals that you have aren't these huge kind of over the moon things if you take the right steps if you just put work into it if you know and if you build like an action plan if you don't just sit around every day saying like it'd be great to design video games or i want to design video games and you don't have like an action step plan of course it's going to be difficult but, right like, if you build your plan if you build a financial plan if you take the right steps you can basically do whatever you want and be Mildly successful at it, and she took that, and yeah, left her job, started developing this game, and she was dressed up as a character. She built the cosplay. I think her and her brother, her brother built her like the LEDs in her helmet. But she was dressed up as the character in the game, yeah. which I was like, hell yeah, it was so good.
0: Yeah, it, when we walked over, I was like, I was like, do you think she could be the developer? You were like, yeah. I was because typically, if you go to an event, you know, they'll hire someone sometimes to do cosplay. And there was yes. no one else standing there except her. And I'm like, that's wild that she did that. It was so fucking cool. It was such a smart idea.
1: She was just like so she was just so present and so confident yeah. and she was just killing it there. And it was so amazing to talk to her. And then one of her teammates came over and we started talking and just yeah, being a female game div and and being a female in the gaming industry. And yeah, it was so funny. She was She was, yeah, she was kind of talking about how when men were playing, they were looking down and seeing that they were playing as a girl and they were telling her, well, it'd be nice if you had a, if you could, if I could play as a boy, it'd be nice if there was a boy option. (laughs) And she was like, but like, she's like, Hey, back in the eighties, like it would have been nice if there was a girl option. Like you played, there's so many games nowadays where like girls play like Uncharted. Um, I mean, Mass Effect, you got the choice, but, uh, like all the Mario games, like majority you were playing as these men, uh, Even in the original, like up until like this year's or this month's Assassin's Creed, are we finally able to play the full story as a woman? Jacob and Jacob and Jane are kind of an accept they're kind of in their own thing because you took turns playing as them. But yeah, this is the first Assassin's Creed game where you fully play as a woman. And that's who you play as throughout the entire game. So it's just interesting like we're getting there with creating the kind of female leads in video games but I just think that was so funny with her men were like well I want a boy option and she's like well wouldn't that be nice? (laughs) (laughs)
3: She's
0: like I've been asking for women options forever. (laughs) Yeah. It's my turn. (laughs) So another game that we briefly touched on that I just want to actually talk about for a minute was Laser Mazer because this is a game we all played Mm -hmm. and it was that like augmented reality iPhone laser, sort of uh, laser. laser maze. So, yeah. It's, <laughs> it's, it's a maze much, of it lasers. It what says on the camera. <laughs> they had probably maybe like 10 feet or nine feet. Yeah, probably like 10 by 10 square, like sort of guarded off for you to play. And they allowed three people at once <laughs> to play in this augmented reality game where yeah. you're holding a tablet or a phone right up in front of your face
2: you yeah. very quickly forget there's anyone else around yeah. you and people are bumping yep. into each other <laughs> especially also because like some of the things are like timed because there'll be like a platform that's moving in front of you and you need to get on it or you need to run past these lasers before they fire up again so you're not even like looking which direction you're in you're like shit i gotta go and you just sprint <laughs> across the room and yeah Multiple, the, someone was on hand, fortunately, at all times to make sure that people yeah. were not running into each other.
1: Yes. Can you, can you imagine being the laser or person handler?
0: Yeah, yeah. I think, I can't remember. I think this game is available now on the App Store. I actually want to try it out because I was thinking, and I mentioned this to the guy, Tom, this might work great in my pool.
2: Yeah, although, you know. Because you don't have to go too fast. You don't have to go too fast um but again though like not everyone has a i mean if you have a, no one, i know. If you have a phone that you can yeah. take in the pool that's fine but yeah yeah <laughs>
0: i was just thinking like this would
2: be a great spot
0: for that i feel people like people would be looking uh, at you from, from like that window <laughs> what the no fuck i mean i'll just go window. like during the middle of the day when no one's there uh, it's, it's like
1: a fun well it's a great fun game to like bring to like a big park or a big open area Yes. And especially just to kind of run around and have fun with and like challenge your friends. I was so surprised with, yeah, just it feels like AR, augmented reality, is going to have a really, really big kind of explosion soon. A few years ago, it was the VR explosion. Now kind of, I believe it's with the, is it the Oculus portable where it's going to be a backpack Oculus uh, VR system where you don't have to be hooked up to a console anymore. And then you have AR games like this on your phone we're going to hit a, a big AR boom soon, and I'm really excited to see what all is in store. But yeah, this game is so perfect. You can bring it anywhere and play a game and go through a maze.
0: My my favorite thing I saw people doing when you play the game was you know, the time stuff where you, there was the part where you have to get onto the platform. It's a moving platform, mm-hmm. so you sort of have to do it fast. I saw multiple people jump, and there's no jumping in the game. But they, they instinctively <laughs> wanted to jump onto it, and every time I saw it happen, the guy would run over. he be like, no, you don't, need to, you don't need to jump. You can just walk forward. Just, <laughs>
1: no, yeah. Every
0: time people would try to jump. I tried to go under a laser because it looked like, when I first looked at it, it looked like there were just lasers above me, so I thought like, oh, okay, I can get low and go under the lasers. But it's just sort of meant to be like walking around and avoiding stuff. <laughs>
1: No, yeah, and that was so funny, is that you saw these people, like, yeah, similarly to the jumping, people just bolting, trying to, like, dodge yeah. these ma- dodge these lasers, and the guy just being like, you can just walk quickly and it'll work. Like, you don't have to sprint.
0: Yeah, <laughs> it's like, this is a, especially in this small space. <laughs> take, yeah, just take
1: a good quick step, some good quick steps. We're
0: gonna go end up knocking over, like, another uh, demo area. Uh, Tom, mm-hmm. what do you want to talk about next?
2: Uh... I guess we should probably talk about Puppet Pandemonium again. Oh man, I was wondering who game. would bring it up. Did you? Did did you and Emily do this one? Yes, uh, I, Emily did. I manned the puppet. Uh, okay, so the funny, so what this is is essentially these two puppets, uh, beep and boop, and you, the players, are the puppet puppeteers. So, like, imagine like a Muppet looking motherfucker, and it has a giant <laughs> bun on its head. And the story is, is that these two puppets are Stitch streamers, which is this fictional t- Twitch for puppets, and there are the people in the audience are the audience of the Stitch stream. And the cool thing about this game is they actually built the system first. Uh, the game, the the whole puppet show was just a way to implement the system because they were building it for, I think GDC for some like input like competition for like who can build. I don't know what the parameters were, but they built the button input and then made the puppet show just for that. But it was so popular that they've made it like a touring situation by going to things like IndieCade.
0: Definitely not a consumer device. No, no. Like
2: they built a booth, like a whole puppet booth to fit two people behind. This is purely an exposition. Just like when we were at E3 and IndieCade had that giant ramen you had to oh, like the make the ramen and get the chopsticks, which was Chris's.
0: But they're making a consumer version for that. Interesting. It's going to be inflatable, so it'll be very oh, small. Perfect. Uh, that is that was. I was hoping it would be there because I wanted to play it again. <laughs> I loved
2: that game. Um, but yeah, so puppet pandemonium was really cool, and it was, it was. I I just remember laughing so much because Chris and I were doing stupid voices for these puppets.
3: <laughs> oh yeah, and
2: um. You know, so you, but also we didn't understand that we were playing the games that were happening. We just thought we were there to like do the funny voices. (laughs) So we're in the middle of the game, and they have buttons on the top of the head on the heads of these puppets, and we're just like hitting them. We're like, I really don't know what (laughs) what was happening, but it was it was just a a ton of fun. And we caught uh,
0: on way too late on how to
2: actually play. (laughs) Yeah, like we got to the second game, we're like, oh wait, we're meant to be doing stuff right now. (laughs) Um, but yeah, so puppet pandemonium, pan, uh, puppet pandemonium was was a lot of fun.
0: You, uh, I don't, I don't know if you mentioned it, but there was the huge controller they have in front of the stage.
2: Yeah, so people, so there's like four people in the audience, and they each get a button. Again, I don't know yeah. what. Well, it was so I figured oh, they it got out. The two buttons. Yeah, I
0: figured it out when Emily played, and okay. then it finally made sense to me. Okay. Um, because it was it was so tough. The experience I ended up really feeling like i had while playing the puppet was i was reading all these things but i wasn't taking in anything i was reading because i was trying to i was trying to put on a performance i wasn't actually paying attention to the things i was it was saying
2: granted there isn't a real deep narrative going on so (laughs) it was easy to not pay attention to that but the four people they had a red button and a blue button each
0: so they all Mm -hmm. had four but they all had two buttons and we were like a red and a blue puppet uh and We had to actually play the game. So in the first one, we pressed the button to jump. In the second game, we pressed the button to shoot. And in the third game, we pressed the button to, like, dash or something Mm -hmm. like that. And so we had to time that. And based on, like, how we were doing or performing, they would either, like, side with the blue or the red people to help us out. But we had to actually press the button to jump. So Tom and I were, like, yelling at everyone, like, jump, jump, thinking they're (laughs) pressing the jump buttons. And you're
1: like, why isn't it because we're on the video game jumping?
0: Yeah, no, we failed. We failed big time.
2: <laughs> Although there is no fail state in the game, you just kind of—that's true.
0: Going
2: on. <laughs> yeah, it was, it was more of a presentation than anything, and I just thought it was so charming. Yes, yeah. yes. Uh,
0: okay, I guess the next game, Emily.
1: Ooh. Okay. Um, let me definitely gonna have to talk about accounting plus.
0: Ah. Oh. I got to watch you play this. Okay, I want to hear about your so experience. So
1: this is a VR game that Justin Roiland helped develop, and it is so goofy. It's it's basically it feels very Rick and Morty meets those um those kind of computer simulators meets the Stanley Parable um or sorry those job simulator VR games meets the Stanley Parable. Uh, it is so funny. At the very beginning, you pick which Rick and Morty meme. That will determine your exploration into this VR game. I don't know how much uh, power picking which meme uh, has, but it's so goofy. You do a few different tasks, and from what I understood, you just do a few different tasks in kind of each of these weird levels, and uh I did have to pull myself out of the game because I went from <laughs> doing this kind of like I was in a back alley with these really cute like little bunny and chipmunk frog characters who were who had like a gang and that they, they were I had to prove to them how tough I was, and I threw a brick through a window and they're like, "Whoa, whoa whoa you're you're too intense for us and apparently. If you stick around long enough, the cops come and there's this whole dialogue scene with the cops, but I didn't see it because I grabbed the goggles. You basically try to find the VR goggles in every level to keep trying to find the accounting program in the VR world. Uh, but then I landed in this really creepy dungeon with this very creepy blob creature and I looked over to the side and there was a really creepy picture of a clown that said leader underneath it and I immediately just took off the goggles because I did not want to become I did not want to become this freaking out terrified VR person in the middle in public. <laughs> I was like, "You know what? I I got a really good sense of the game. Definitely not scared, <laughs> definitely not freaked out and trying to get out of this VR experience."
0: That game had one of the biggest lines there. It was a very good-looking VR title. Oh
1: yeah, it is so goofy too.
0: I wanted to jump in and then while I was watching you play, I realized also with like so much narrative that's one of those games that you really got to dedicate some time to. I,
3: mm-hmm.
0: I really, that's a title that I wish I had a VR setup at home for because that one looked really fun. Um, that's very cool. I'm glad that you got to play that, Tom. Me did too. You ever, did you play that yet?
2: Accounting Plus. Yeah. No, no. I, 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 I know it's out. Like it's been out for a while. Um, I just haven't. Yeah. Uh, thrown the last VR game I played was super hot. Okay, which I was. I played the whole. I was in the VR thing for fucking five to six hours. I just couldn't stop sitting it down. Yeah, um, <laughs> Super hot VR. Yeah, no, is I sick. haven't. Su- Super Hot is is just such a great implementation of that. Uh, no, I haven't tried out Accounting Plus, but I might get around to it soon because uh, Astrobot, There's this game called Astrobot that just came out in PSVR. Yeah. Um, which is apparently, people are being like, it is the Super Mario 64 of yeah, VR Yeah, so one titles. person
0: goes and says that. Now everyone has to reference and it. Now, everyone, yeah. now everyone, <laughs> everyone has to say people <laughs> say. It's like, no, one person said this.
2: Right. So <laughs> anyway, there's a lot of really cool VR titles out. Another one called Firewall. Yeah. Bravo C- Zero, which is essentially like Rainbow Six Siege. So I might get around to playing it. I think... Um, but- I think, there's a little game called Red Dead on the Horizon. Well, though, so. yeah,
0: I mean that's gonna be yikes. That's gonna be a hell of a game. I think <laughs> uh, Accounting Plus. They said there's like a huge update coming out right mm-hmm.
1: now. They, it is so. available, but yeah, they they're gonna expand it even more.
0: Yeah, so that's really cool. Um, okay, what game should we talk about next? Uh, let's do another the Claxo Radio Hour. That's the yes, name of the title. Yes, that was it. Okay. Yes. I was trying to... there. The I have the uh, card for it right here. So the Claxo Radio Hour, Tom, remember we saw that mm-hmm. weird old little
2: radio? Oh, yes, yes, yes.
0: So Emily yeah. and I talked to the developer and watched some other people play it. It is mm-hmm. an interactive radio drama. So it's a bit like an RPG that you're playing along with and it's being played out in front of you. And it's a mystery. The radio was really cool because he, they modified this radio that they went and they sort of bought this old fashioned radio uh, so that the lights and everything work with like what's being played. And you sit it's there. It's a little
1: target radio. I have it. It's like a little spooky Halloween decoration <laughs> from like three years ago. It's amazing that you
0: have that radio. I couldn't believe I don't recognize
1: that. that. I was like, that's my target radio. <laughs>
0: Does yours, did do the lights on yours move with the sound or is that something they did?
1: Um, it kind of it was programmed like there's in mine it's different colored bulbs, it's kind of like rainbow bulbs, Ooh. and there's like a little dial and you can go to each spooky station and it kind of reacts to whatever station you're on.
3: Oh, where it's like
1: it can kind of react with the, the bulbs light up with the voices or the boy or the bulbs light up at like the end of like a spooky story. Whoa. and You see like you hear like a lightning crash and all the bulbs flash. So I'm sure yeah they just had to go in there and program them and to their own audio and whatnot.
0: They have, I think they almost have like a demo of it. Like you can check it out on their website. And I believe, like, I mean, obviously they're not going to go and buy Target radios and try and build and sell these like props. But this can be also then you can just take the audio game and turn it into like an app. So because we asked them like if they had sales plans for that. And um, I believe that they said there's plans for doing sort of an app with it because it's basically an audio game that you play along with uh but obviously to have that radio would make it more difficult which is why like indicate is so cool because of all the props like all the little things that they can bring to these small areas that would be unfeasible to do in a larger scale you get to like go check these things out um so that's really cool i like the Claxo radio hour a lot it was uh super weird and different so moving on tom what you got
2: next I really liked uh, the Brick Breaker game that they had set up. Oh, Draconoid. It's... it's like
0: Arkanoid, it but instead they changed it to Draconoid.
2: So it's essentially a Brick Breaker, but in the lower third of the screen, I'd say, instead of, you know, you're moving a um, uh, platform from side to side to bounce the ball, you're actually drawing the platform um, yeah. as the ball is returning. So... Um, once you hit it, it goes into slow motion on its way back, and then you can decide the angle and the size and the um, um, yeah uh, placement of the uh, platform. Yeah, the bar and uh, yeah, it's 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 really fun. The game feels really good, like the speed of everything, like it moving. Like once it bounces off, it goes really fast, and then on the r- return, it um it, it slows down, uh, and the game is a uh, just beautifully. Yes. Uh design very geometry well. wars. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they, there's a lot of different inspirations from like classic arcade games like Yeah. Uh, um Centipede and stuff like that. And Have you not
0: played Arkanoid? Uh Arkanoid is like the original Brick Breaker. No, basically. no, I, I haven't. So so that's why it's called Draconoid.
2: Gotcha. Gotcha. I've I've played many Brick Breakers in my time. I remember yeah. playing i remember honestly one of the first games i ever had for my game boy was some brick breaker title and i played it all the time uh yeah i just thought it was very well put together and the you might think it might be easy because you can basically put the platform wherever you want but it gets harder as the game goes on and it's more about getting the right angle and right placement to get multipliers and get as many bricks yeah. as possible and like get behind the bricks so it's bouncing behind there and uh, yeah, and uh, I, if it's only on PC right now, but the moment that shit comes out for my phone, I am downloading it. Uh, that is going to be yes. an addiction for sure.
0: I, we got to play it on the computer, and I don't think it's going to be nearly as good on the computer as it will on the phone. No, because drawing the little bar will be so much easier on your phone. Yeah. Also, like I've played brick breaker games on the phone, and it's always like you're either sliding back and forth, or you're sort of like moving right. like like buttons, mm. and they they never felt right. It's shocking that no one had thought of this first. No, it's such yeah, a like, I, brilliant, it, simple idea to draw I, the line. I sat
2: down because I was drawn in by the, the design of it all and the graphics. And I was like, okay, a brick breaker game, cool. I like brick breaker games. And the moment I realized what I have to do, I was like, this is, a, like, how has this not been done before? Yeah. But,
0: yeah. Hey, and then I was like, you can just do this for every game. It's like yeah. you could do, you know, <laughs> he was like, once I said that to him, I was like, you could do like a Space Invaders. Who's like, oh, for Space Invaders, I'd probably do sort of like an Angry Birds kind of slingshot idea. Like that would probably work. And I'm like, that's awesome.
2: I would play that game. Go make that next. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> yeah, I, I really like Drolkenoid. That was, uh, and that was like a full, you know, game that seemed very completed. I think like it's already out on PC. Yeah, but um, yeah, I'm I'm
0: pumped uh, to get that on my phone. Yeah. I'm gonna have a bunch of new phone games thanks to Indiecade. Woo! Yeah. Emily, what would you like to talk about next?
1: Um, it's something that I didn't get to participate in, but it is uh, an experience that was at Hollywood Fringe, and I have friends who are in it. Uh, and just kind of showing the kind of everything that indicating encapsulates, there was Escape from Godot, which is an escape room styled oh. experience inspired by the postmodern play Waiting for Godot. Uh, i had a friend who was a performer in it this won a bunch of awards and got a bunch of accolades during hollywood fringe this past year i believe if not just namely accolades um and yeah it's basically they had to change the name slightly but it's basically you're in a kind of a postmodern absurdist play and you have to escape from the play and so That's i didn't awesome. get to i didn't get to do it <laughs> but to me i i knew that it was really really successful there and it's just like Indiecade isn't just video games or console games or pc games it's mobile ga- mobile games it's augmented reality games it's card games it's board games it's experiences or it's like big ramen puzzles and yeah. uh, that's what's so great about indicators because it's not just like typical video games like we we think of it's so creative and it's so just kind of expansive
0: yeah uh that that was a thing that um they were in their own room. You had to register for that ahead mm-hmm. of time, which I was unaware of what it was, so I didn't. So hearing what that actually is now from you, I am very bummed I did not do that. <laughs> <laughs> that sounds so awesome. I would have loved that. Holy crap. Uh, well, then, I, you know I'm going to keep with that theme and talk about the other thing that we didn't get to play, but we kind of saw and witnessed, which this is this is the one thing I thought, like, oh, man, that's the game I missed out on was uh, Asta Grande, I believe, was the name of it. And that was the...
1: Oh, yeah.
0: It was It was like, I don't know, somewhere. I think it's... Uh, I'm looking up here. It says it's about 30 people, and it's a mock auction where they were doing... Like, they had items up. They'd have an actual auctioneer, and it was like a set time. You had to pre-register for it. So we watched it happen. Everyone gets auction cards. They have a number on them. So you put up the auction card when they're doing a bidding war. And it seems like you get both a limited amount of money to spend, you have like character traits, and you have specific items that you're trying to win at the auction. And there's like this weird strategy of you're trying to rise like the price of items you don't want so that other people are spending their money, but and also then not like giving it away when you're trying to buy the item you are supposed to be getting at the auctions that you can win. Uh, and it was crazy because there's actually thirty people sitting, and there's an auctioneer going, and everyone's lifting their cards, and the price is going higher and higher. It was freaking cool. Yeah, that was every, a very cool game.
1: Yeah, and every card has like you're an actually an undercover cop at this auction trying to find out fraud. Uh, you think there's counterfeit items here, so you're looking you're looking to bid on items that have like this specific quality. Um. And so, yeah, and, yeah, you have to keep track. I think the one thing is tricky is like you have to keep track of your money. I'm sure there's yes. an app. I'm sure the app does it because it had the guy who was running the computer, who was the auctioneer who was running the auction, kind of would confirm, like, all right, looks like number 14 successfully purchased this hairbrush. So I'm sure that the computer also is like, yo, number 14, if they try to keep buying everything, the computer's like, uh, number 14 does not have the funds available to purchase right. another item. <laughs> yeah.
0: It was like, oh, sorry, I have to win the Brass Knuckles. Yes. (laughs) Like, I'm going to vote on these. It was very cool and made me really want to play it. And now hearing about you talk about Escape from Godot and now this game, Asa Grande, I wonder if this could be sort of the future of Escape Rooms because Escape Rooms are amazing. Everyone loves them. But maybe they can expand by also offering other in-person experiences that like, you just can't really do this necessarily on your own other although i think there's probably a way to do this almost with a jackbox like experience
1: yeah I, that's what i was thinking too because he was like i don't think i'm going to develop this into a, a game that people can play at their homes or he's like i don't really think this i think this is just going to be like an installation here at indicate i was yeah. like oh the possibilities of like yeah we we're both making <laughs> it like a like a jackbox like mobile app kind of like use your phones to play this auction kind of game you yeah. just have like an auctioneer host who runs the computer that it's all on.
0: I was at a a pumpkin carving party last night and there were more than enough people that we could have done something like that. It would have been so <laughs> Y'all much wanna fun. play
1: an auction game? <laughs> yeah. yeah.
0: It would have been so awesome to do something like yeah,
3: that.
2: I, I mean it would be yeah. it would be really cool if like Indicate was like a permanent installation that maybe like rotated out people's like oh my exper- God. experiential. Like they just have a space that they have year round and every month it's a new like experience or group of experiences because the, these the, what was really cool about them like i understand because that i was kind of there like with these things i was like how can you turn this into something that you can sell and i was like right. no like the fact that this is something that you go and experience like a play or something like that yes. that you can't go do anywhere else was part of the reason that it was so enjoyable. And so, again, I'm kind of like, how can you market this? And maybe it is like a, a, a they have a permanent uh, pop yeah. that is rotating people's ideas out. Because people seem to have plenty of fucking, like, really off-the-wall, unique ideas. And I'm sure that there are so many people out there that also have that. And I think that part of the real charm of all of this was seeing people who really took risks. Uh, there were so many really cool... There was that game that we didn't get to play because the, de- the developer was away, but it was like this board game that also was like puzzle pieces and had like... Oh, yeah, yeah. It was yeah. like handcrafted. This was like the most gorgeous game board you'd ever seen. And the storyline like dealt with um like some... I don't know what it was, but a, a mental disorder of some kind and you were playing through the storyline of like t- siblings like one person is one sibling and the other person is another sibling and you put play puzzle pieces on this game board and move through like life and i'm not exactly sure how it's played cuz unfortunately we didn't get to sit down and play it but right it just I, I want i want more people to see that people are creating these things so that they you know people might have like a really good idea that they're like ah no one's interested in that or there's nothing that i can do with that to make money or make you know it profitable and follow the example of uh, of that life um, coach who was basically just like, <laughs> I'm just going to make it because I want to. And I think that that is something very... It was a very like pixel inspiring ripped, yeah. experience for sure.
0: Um, well, so speaking of uh, following that advice, Tom, what
2: other games that people did go and make and play would you have <laughs> to talk about next? Um, I don't know. Everything else I think was like just kind of like... Um, Cool to. There was that one game that we played that was um, a, a rhythm game where I don't even know how you describe it, but oh, beats and like, shapes, just beats and shapes. Be, beats and shapes, and you're playing as you're playing as a uh, a shape, and uh, there are shapes appearing on the screen and moving to the rhythm of the music. And oh, sorry, it's just shapes and beats. I said that backwards. Okay. Um and. Um, or ev- basically, you don't want to touch anything that's pink. Anything on the screen that is like this hot pink color is going to deal damage to you. And yeah, yeah it's just appearing in uh, in time to the music. And we had a little trouble because they had they had it on this giant. It was pro- I think projected onto this giant screen, or it was just a giant. No, TV. that was
0: just like a like a eighty inch TV. Yeah, and we we're standing like three four feet away it was way too big
2: to the point where like your peripherals like was still just screen and i wish we had it been it had been either a smaller screen or we could have stood further back but it just made it so tough to comprehend (laughs) everything that was uh appearing and happening on screen and the speed of it all but uh, uh, that is definitely a game where i would love to again sit down with a friend and like play co-op couch co-op with the music was really dope too oh yeah the soundtrack was was really cool
1: Oh yeah, I was just trying to I remember watching people doing it and just trying to keep up with them and being like, "Okay, wait, wait, what? Where are you?" <laughs> wait. Oh yeah, there's all these lines happening. Oh. Ah!
2: Oh, uh I mean, does anyone have anything else to say about that game? Uh, I don't. Okay, 10 Tendar was fucking hilarious. The Oh, Tendar. Yeah, so you played it at E3. Yeah, I played that with Patrick at E3. Yeah. Um, I mean, I'd go ahead and talk about it, because I think you know more about it than I do, like, what was actually going on.
0: Um, Okay, so Tendar... you got some
2: great photos because of it. <laughs>
0: Tendar's almost like... So when I played it at E3, it didn't have half the game that it has now, but Tendar, back then, was basically like a Tamagotchi-like pet that you would create with a partner. So you and a partner would essentially be its parents, and you would look at each other while holding your fingers on the phone, on the device. You'd each be holding half the device. you have to, like, stare into each other's eyes and make, like, weird faces and emotions. And then you'd have to look at the camera, and it would tell you to make, like, X, Y, and Z emotions. Yeah. And then how it reads your emotions, it would build the personality for your fish. And then your fish has now been birthed through your connection and your personalities. <laughs> uh,
2: but It's as weird as
0: it sounds. Yeah, Where was, it was this game? It was actually right next to Just Shapes and Beats. It was behind the Just Shapes and Beats. Like, you turn around.
1: Oh, man.
0: It was was very strange. And when I played it with Patrick at E3, that was the whole game. But now there's a whole sort of uh, Hatsune Miko like part of it where your fish actually lives in the bowl and you can tend to it and feed it and upgrade its tank. And there's way more that you could do with it now. Back then, the only other thing you could do is sort of scan people and the fish we'll make little quips about people's faces and what their emotions are telling him. Mm-hmm. But now there's actually like way more game to it, which was not existing before. Um, it was a very weird, but also fun experience to do. Uh, I got one of my favorite pictures of Tom ever making a, I think, scared <laughs> face. Uh, it's incredible. It was a very good time. Very good time. Uh, Emily, I'll let you take the next one.
1: Let's see. Um, let me look at my list. Um, sorry, one second. No, you're good. Ooh, I'm gonna have to take talk about loss words.
0: Oh hell yeah!
1: So this another is, phone game. <laughs> yeah, another mobile game. Hey, why not? I'm all for it. I just need like an iPad that's just solely dedicated to mobile yeah. games. But this is a really fun uh, game if you really love puzzles. If you really love uh, literature. Basically, it takes kind of popular uh, open open rights properties, like so, like Jane Austen and a bunch of kind of these classic novels. And in each chapter, you have to solve these kind of different word puzzles. You have to either have to put the word from like the bank and put it back into the passage, or you have to like descramble the words. Um, gosh, I'm, I'm blanking out on a few of them, but it was such a fun like reading based mobile game that like we were doing it the first the kind of the demo we got to do is for pride and prejudice and just yeah. playing this game i was like oh i want to go back and read pride and prejudice that's right it's such a i love that book and because you're reading passages from it again um and yeah it just was such a cool game and it has really great uh design and marketing elements too that really kind of thing pulled me in specifically i was like this is a great booth setup
0: yeah you don't even realize that you're reading while you're playing it necessarily like it's a very good way to like trick someone into reading a book that they mm-hmm. wouldn't have read before without even realizing it because it I thought it was way too easy at the beginning I'm like I don't know how this is gonna be fun because it was they'd give me a sentence and I'd have like two blank spots and I'd have maybe two words and I have to just make sure I put the right word in the right blank spot but then suddenly the sentences got a lot more complicated and I had like eight blank spots and I was like okay wait a second so if this word goes here then that word has to go there and, and it's, it's on a timer too <laughs> yeah it suddenly got a lot harder and it was really fun also looked gorgeous mm-hmm. With great great artwork good iconography awesome colors very bright easy to read very nice game very good game I liked that a lot um, another another iPhone game I'm gonna it's a good thing I got a big iPhone uh, storage space. <laughs> 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 you're right uh, okay so the next game I want to talk about really quick. Actually, this is the first game Tom and I played. Um, I don't know if you saw this, Emily. This was actually one of the downst- the like few downstairs games. Um, it's called The Last Friend, and it's a tower defense beat-em-up game. Sort of like an old Double Dragon-style beat-em-up, but it's actually a tower defense, so you can hit and punch, and there's sort of three different lanes that you can stand in when you hit and punch. Uh, kind of like an old Double Dragon style game, but you're also putting up turrets and uh, shields. You're keeping the enemies from coming after you. And it's sort of, the idea is that it's this Mad Max style world. What? And people are now eating dogs <laughs> uh, for sustenance because the world's not in a great place. And you are protecting the last dogs, the last friends. What are you talking about?
2: I'm fucking heating the oven up, to <laughs> so put a, cor- a corgi in. You're a freak. Super freak. The art was probably the biggest draw
0: to come over and look at this immediately. Yeah. It's some of the best art.
2: It sounds. It's so funny because you sit down and you're like, oh, this, you know, it looks like a. I think the closest analog for like a modern game would be like Guacamele in terms of the 2D side scrolling nature of the design. But when you sit down, they're like, okay, so it's this post apocalyptic future and everyone's eating dogs. And I'm like, whoa, 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 whoa. This. To- the tone you were ex- explaining to me is not befitting of the design of this game um yeah i liked it Yeah, i thought it was uh very interesting unfortunately it's in very early development yes, it so is. um it it was probably honestly the pro the most unfinished game that we played there yeah um, that's possible but um the the combination of the the beat em up and the tower defense was was really interesting and yeah it's a good game Good game. Yeah, I'm Good game. bummed
1: I didn't see that one downstairs.
2: Yeah, it, it uh unfortunately
0: not quite enough time. There were still a handful of things I wanted to play. Um I got a few more games still on
2: my list here. Uh Tom, did you have any offhand or would do you think No, okay. I'm I'm I'll defer to you. I'm sure I'll have something to say, but everything else was not as memorable as the things I've listed. One that I don't know if either you saw
0: this at E three, I was scheduled to see them and it was the one indie game Game, uh,
2: that I did see CD3, and that was Desert Child. I've heard of the game, but I haven't seen it or really actually know anything about it, but the title sounds familiar. So Desert
0: Child is a sort of side-scrolling pixel racer game, but it's also got a level of simulation in it, which is amazing. And the concept is you race hover bikes in Desert Child, and it's sort of a cyberpunk-esque future, and your character... After each race, you can get money and you you gain accolades, but you also need to like eat food so that you have stamina, like which is your hunger meter and use money to either upgrade your bike or to uh, like buy parts for it or fix it, things like that. And there's actually this really cool sort of pixel overworld that you navigate through. And every time you go into a new area, the city or the town to find a different shop, the shot changes almost think like camera angles in resident evil where it's like a totally different locked camera for everything and it's very um cinematic like i was walking i go to walk down an alley and then in the shot in the alley it's all like overhead and you see like clothing lines pass by as i'm walking overhead and like you see garbage from up top but then you walk out of the alley down the next street and then it's sort of uh straight on so it's like the angles change it's very cool design And they got all this amazing music in it. It was really awesome sort of hip-hop mixed with sort of like 8-bit music. And um, it just fit the theme of it really well. The environment that they built combined with the music was really good. But the game itself, the actual hover bike races, were sweet. They were really good. And the design of the bikes is really good. So I highly recommend Desert Child. That was a really fun indie game. Uh, pixel racer and then the other game tom this was a game we saw but the guy wasn't there when we went to play and it, this was downstairs it was ufo go go it was the board game it was like really bright it looked like it, it was like the blue space game with all like the neon colors it was right on the first floor um we didn't get to play it though. The guy he was like on lunch, and uh, I didn't get to come by again until later in the day. So I went to get his business card, and I was like, "Hey, I want to be able to check this out." He gave me a copy of the game to demo it, and oh, I got to play right. it the other night.
1: On your way out, yeah, yeah.
0: I'm like, I'm like running out to to. So it's a board game. It's a tabletop thing. Yeah. Okay. Yeah, it's I can't remember. I really can't. It's three to eight players, and it's really fun. And here's the general conceit to the game: it's an intergalactic space party. There are different aliens, and they're all laser cut, which is really cool. I have them right here. I'll show you. They're like, you punch them out of cardboard. So there's all these little different alien dudes that you have. And the goal of the game is to throw the best intergalactic party. Like, there's different stages. There's like five different stages on the board, and then you can have the best party. And everyone takes turns drawing cards, and all the cards have different actions that force You'd either gain aliens that come to your party, or to lose them to other party, mm. uh, other parties that are competing with you. Uh, it's really fun, and I love. I mean, I think with all tabletop stuff, there has to be a, a real level of simplicity, and I felt this uh-huh. title had the perfect blend of complications in the actions of the cards, so that like the game isn't going to be the same thing over and over, as yep. well as there was like a very low barrier to entry it's just a matter of whoever in a, in a number of ways it is who scores the most points and there's a lot of moving points throughout the game but it's all delivered in this really fun veil of throwing an alien party it's like <laughs> you're it's like that you run the fun. best star wars cantina in a <laughs> right yeah um that sounds like fun i liked it a lot it's really fun and this game i believe you actually can get it's called ufo a go go um the uh, there are two other games Emily saw this one, but you and I played it. It's not even like this was another experience, but the eight, the Octo controller, the eight-player oh, NES yeah. controller. Yes. Dude, that was yeah. so cool. This guy basically 3D-printed NES controllers and then modded other ones so that every controller only had one of the eight buttons. So the four-directional, the A, the B, and the start and the select button.
2: We, we, were, we were playing Tetris, and someone – like, we're already playing, and someone's like, oh, I want to play – We're like, okay, well you couldn't have the start button. Okay, what does that do? And I'm like, well, it pauses the game. (laughs) And I'm like, but you can unpause the game for us. And like, okay.
0: We were doing really well when it was just you and I, because in my left hand and my right hand I had left and right, and Tom was able to rotate and drop the pieces. So with two people, we were able to do a great job. Once these kids joined, just all communication broke down. It became especially
2: but because especially like one of us was the A button, one was the B button, which allows you to rotate clockwise or counterclockwise. So we were like, "Okay, turn, turn, turn," and it was like I was in the it was like that that Pokemon uh, Twitch plays Pokemon thing where <laughs> people were fighting each other for the controls. And like the thing was, he was turning it clockwise, while I was also turning it counterclockwise. And yeah, I mean they didn't fuck us up as bad as I thought. Was gonna happen when they came over, but yeah, we we clearly operated better. I mean, I mean, that's that's the con, that's the conceit of that, right? To have eight people, you know, I, I would have loved to have played something like uh, Super Mario World or something like that, or Super Mario Brothers Three with that setup. That would have been fucking hilarious.
0: Um, yeah, there was. I I'm trying to remember the name of it offhand. I didn't actually get a, a business card for this one. I feel dumb that I didn't write it down. I think it was called Just. Balls and sports, or just sp- sports and balls?
2: Oh, so it was called. It was called. Uh, uh, ball. All, all ball. All balls. Oh my god! I'm gonna just Google this right now. I think it was called. All, I think it was called All Balls.
0: It was. Uh, so this game. It was very much a physics game. It reminded me a lot of some of the current sort of uh cell animated looking physics titles where you sort of just run around, hit into each other, you know, kind of beat them up, and. The general game is it's a four-player physics title where you're playing different sports games like soccer or climbing or hockey, but every round it gives you a different task and it'll generate a different type of ball. So you're playing soccer, but you're playing with an air hockey puck, or you're playing with a bowling ball, or you're playing with like a inflatable beach ball. And the physics, the physics of them change, and you basically can either just like run, hit, uh and dash and if you hit into things that are heavy too hard like a collapse over or things that are too light will go flying so you sort of have to manage and change on the fly with what's happening in the game i don't know if it has online it looks like the game was being made by kids at like nyu if i remember correctly this was a student game uh it's
2: very possible the reason that i didn't i thought the 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 game was fun but we just kind of sat down to play it and didn't really know what was going on yeah it was uh, it was hard. The demo was was not. Yeah, there was the, the we played like a game of soccer, but every goal that was scored, a different ball would spawn. So sometimes ah. it was a hockey puck and it would slide across, or it was a basketball and it had like a lot of bounce to it. So you had to, the game would change. And then yeah, there was one. The final thing we did was like it was all sports and all balls. <laughs> so. I We just were like doing random shit and it wasn't until like basically it was first to figure out what the fuck was going on. <laughs> the round. Yeah, we didn't know what was uh, happening. Scores were popping yeah. up, but
0: no one knew how.
2: <laughs> and I was like, this is cool. I like physics games like this, but um, I wish I had had a brief explain. Also another game that looked really good. Going. Yes. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure that if I had known what was happening, I would have enjoyed it a little bit more. Yeah. Uh,
0: that's that's the kind of game that I would definitely play uh, on, like, Xbox Live with oh, a bunch yeah. of idiots. The, the the fucking four of us playing that oh game. Oh, my gosh. Be... I, think, I think that might be it. I think that's all the games that I have here that we actually got to yeah. play. There was a really cool game. I didn't get the card. We didn't get to play it. We only, like, walked by it. But there was this amazing animated game. Oh yes, uh,
1: Forgotten Anne.
0: Yes, Forgotten. It looked like a like an anime. It looked like an animated film. It was and
1: gorgeous. It, yeah,
0: and it's it's basically a platformer, right? It was like a platformer that seamlessly goes between like the actual sort of story they were telling and the game. It sort of switches back and forth, is what they were saying. It's very cool. Very cool.
1: Mm-hmm. No, um, yeah, it's a really seamless. It's seamless animation, which I'm like, oh man, sign me up. Yeah, 2D animation in a game, beautiful.
0: All right. That's that's I think Indiecade 2018.
2: You guys it had was a time. really
1: amazing year, yeah.
2: Yeah, yeah. It was really. I anyone that's in the area, uh, you know, or if they do Indiecade anywhere else in the country, it would be really cool if they came here to New York. Um, just a very cool experience. And as you heard, like most of the things that we were playing were not actually video games. They were like. Ex- exclusive to this to indicate, so I would say it's definitely worth the uh the the trek. Um, yeah, if you if you get the chance to next year,
0: I had a ton of fun with it. I liked there wasn't a single thing I played that I didn't enjoy. Everything that I got Same, a chance to yeah. play w- was fun. Um, it's a great time to play video, uh, t- it's a great time to play any game right now. <laughs> like yep. that yes. was <laughs> that was coming out of indicate. So, um, okay. Fantastic. Emily, you wrote an article about the games that you played?
1: I am currently writing it. It'll be probably awesome. finished in the next few days. But yeah, just highlighting uh, all the games that I kind of got a hands-on for and just talking about the those titles and if they're available or not and whatnot. Very yeah, cool. I just think I love Indiecade. Yeah, especially I know so many people who 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 dream of going to E3 to play games or to experience that. Where it's, where it's really tricky because E3 is still a trade show. It's not like a gaming comic con. But if you do really want to play games, and if you want to ex- play like really cool immersive games, and that aren't. A lot like your traditional if you would like kind to play of like. Games, yeah, do if you just want to go play games, <laughs> yeah,
3: yeah.
1: but if you just want to like experience video games and like play board games, AR games, experiences, and if this all sounds really, really fascinating, interesting to you, I yeah, I highly recommend uh, looking up Indiecade, supporting Indiecade. They're an international festival, so they're also around the world. Um, and yeah, hitting it up at yeah, if you're in California, hopefully, yeah, they, I yeah. feel like they should go they- to New York you think they hopefully they do have like a little event of some kind i think
0: i think they do i think there's a an indicate outside of la as well okay good Uh, i believe that they travel to events from time to time um so you should check it out but it is unfortunately like pretty much the major metropolitan areas yeah all right so if people want to check out your article when it's posted or keep up with you emily how can the folks at home do that
1: you can follow me on Twitter at frankly underscore Emily on Instagram with an extra underscore after Emily. And then I write for Geek Girl Authority. So follow Geek Girl Authority on Twitter and Instagram. And you can also check them out online. And yes, my articles are posted in the video game section. So check those out.
0: Thank you so and much for hyper coming And on RPG.
2: Yes, <laughs> right. and on Hyper RPG.
1: And I'm on Hyper RPG. <laughs>
2: Tom, how about you? I'm great, Britom, everywhere but PlayStation, where I am Get Out the Vote. November 6th is right around the <laughs> corner. We are dangerously close <laughs> to one of the most important elections of our time, so make sure you do it. But if you really want to play games with me on PlayStation. And I am at Christian underscore Humes. We are at Unranked
0: Podcast. We're also at Zeit Heist. We're going to have another episode for you back again at our normal
2: day this Friday. But until next time, everybody, stay unranked. And even though Tuna and Dan are here, please still suck it.
1: say like it.
0: <laughs> I always find it so funny when the guests join in.